Hello all and thank you for tuning in for this week's podcast. Uh, just wanted to hit a little note on the recent pandemic of the coronavirus. Obviously our thoughts are with everyone who are affected. Um, hope everyone is able to stay healthy, uh, look after everyone in their community and all that sort of stuff. We obviously recommend that you spend a lot of time at home watching Only Fools and Horses and hopefully listening to our podcast as well. Uh, but best, best wishes for everyone. Stay safe and we hope to keep you entertained. Hello and welcome to Only Fools and Brotherly Forces, the Only Fools and Horses rewatch podcast with me, Bobby, and my brother, Jamie. Good evening, Jamie. How's it going? Good evening, Bob. Good as always. Thank you very much, mate. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Plodding along. Um, good episode here. One we've been looking forward to. Bringing in a nice, uh, like, a recurring character. Yeah, it caught me a bit off guard um, when it came on. I, again, just kind of suddenly realized that we had got this far into it and we're on this episode but just insanely excited to have slater introduced as a character um possibly one of the best if not the best reoccurring character and actor involved in that that reoccurrence um so yeah definitely the the best or certainly most well decorated actor to ever appear on the show by a mile i mean his IMDb page is just insane. He's been in so much. Yeah, it's, it's obviously just a pleasure to watch um, uh, Jim Broadbent throughout this episode, and I'm already looking forward to the ones he's in later because of watching this one just now. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it is a bit of a masterclass. We'll drop in a quick bit of trivia before we go into the episode. It's it's probably one of the most known bits of trivia for Only Fools, but for any of those that aren't already aware. Um, Jim Broadbent was actually one of, if not the first choice to play Del Boy um, when they were looking to cast it all that time ago. Rather awesomely, Jim Broadbent, uh, <laughs> he's quoted to say that he did a service to the to the British public because he refused the role. He said that if he had taken the role that he would have probably got bored or not wanted to continue very long. Um or just you know not have been as sold on it as a as a recurring idea, so his gift to the public was David Jason, who took up the role. Yeah, I think definitely considering those first two seasons being a bit slow, I can imagine that convincing him to come back for a a second season if the first one hadn't done that well or a third one would have been really really difficult. So yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a, a what might have been story that's very interesting, but. We're very glad that he comes back in the role he does. Um, it's a shame he's actually only in so few episodes. Do you know how many episodes he's in? The three? Yeah, it is only three. I feel like it's more, but it is only the three. But he's fantastic in all of them, and uh, he sets himself up perfectly here. Um, the One other thing I guess I just want to mention in the intro while we're here is the name of the episode, of course, is May the Force Be With You. And I did just check for, for my own kind of continuity reference where the this release of this episode falls in the Star Wars timeline. And it is, right. it is the same year as Return of the Jedi, so the third Star Wars film. So it would have been just completely in the, the lexicon of everyone. Like, everyone knows that reference. Right, okay. 
just in case there wasn't it wasn't unanimously understood that it was definitely a Star Wars reference. Well, it obviously was, but I was wondering if it was like maybe just after the first film, or if it was like because you know it just got more and more. Um, so uh, I was intrigued to see kind of where it fell, and it was yeah the, the exact same year the the third film came out. So excellent. Well, a bit of a long intro, but I think we're all very excited to get into it. So let's head along for series three, episode five. May the force be with you. So we open uh, scene one in the next head. Um, we just get. I, I loved this open. I thought it was brilliant. Rodney is just chatting bollocks, <laughs> bigging, him, bigging himself up saying that he's some sort of player and uh, it just works brilliantly because Trigger is on such a different wavelength. He's on a different planet. <laughs> oh mate, he's just got no idea what was going on and it all comes to Pinnacle when Rosny gets to the, the end of his story and just it just completely misses everything that Trigger's doing. Because I'm a free agent, Trig, right? Wherever I lay my hat, right? That's my home, that's the sort of guy I am. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a hat now, then, have you, Dave? <laughs> Trigger hasn't even... Re- that neither of them are really aware of the conversation the other one is having. Like They're, they're both <laughs> having solo conversations, and neither one of them is following the other. So what we've learned at the end of this is Rodney thinks he's, uh, you know, told this girl that he needs to be free because he's such a player, and Trigger's thinking about where this hat he once had disappeared to. Uh, this this story Trigger tells, I, I really enjoyed it. I found it much more interesting than whatever Rodney was banging on about. And as part of the story, he said he had to he lost his train ticket in the brim of this hat, which he left at a party, and he had to walk home from Plumstead. I obviously mm. googled this as I often do. Plumstead to Peckham, two and a half hour walk. Indeed, I have exactly the same note. Twenty three miles, two and a half hour walk. <laughs> that is brutal. Yeah, and after a party in the dead of night as well. <laughs> yeah. I just, can you imagine a world where Trigger walks around with a pink hat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to live in that world. He, he has that blue suit later, right? So I guess he, he can pull off the, the brave shades. Yeah, he's definitely got that sort of weird eccentricities going on. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I love Trigger. <laughs> um, Rodney turns away and, and bumps into Slater and he... He uh, straight away comes with a line. Oh, sorry. You will be if it happens again, Sonny. And he turns to look at Trigg, and to be fair, even Trigg is just doing a great job of of being really, really frightened. Like, straight Mm. away, there is something there. Yeah, I think Roger Lloyd-Pack plays it straight away. You see the switch in his face, and it is also nice to see that Trigger knows exactly what to do in this situation when he's confronted with, with Roy. The policeman, he's suddenly into, you know, he's he might be an idiot, but I mean, there's a reason he's not in jail, and that's because he knows when to shut up. So he's just denying everything. He's not seen anyone. He's not done anything. He might as well. <laughs> he might as well be in what the lockdown that we're currently in. Like he's just, <laughs> just hidden away. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's on it. I think it's really easy to tell that Jim Paul Bennett is just a different class here, within. You know, a couple of sentences of dialogue and his posture on screen. Um, he just is. Even though we don't, we don't even really know much about him at this point. But straight away, there's something menacing about him. There's something slimy. Mm. You know, he's just a proper slimy bastard, and you just it's convincing straight away. 
Yeah, the menacing is a great word. I I think within seconds, you know, when he gets bumped into, he gives that dig to Rodney, and then the way, like you say, his just his mannerisms. He's walking about. He gets triggered to buy him a scotch. Like okay, you you learn a lot straight away within seconds. He's a copper. He's a nasty piece of work. He's a smug bastard, and it, it's just all nailed. And you one hundred percent believe it. He plays that slimy little git fantastically. Um, Boise's the next one for the chop, and he sort of he does clock Slater, but not not fast enough because he tries <laughs> to exit, but but Slater catches on to it. Well, upon my soul, he's Boise. Hello, Roy. What a nice surprise. Boise tries to lie his way out of stuff, but it's completely different to Trigger's lie. So there's like there's clearly a bit of gambit afoot, and he just looks for the quickest exit that he can, and. Uh, and just like, oh yeah, I've got to get off even though I've just arrived. Um, and kind of bumps into Rodney and decides to basically put Rodney for the guillotine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he did this on purpose, but I, this is one of the times where I think people might think I'd dig into Rodney. But of course I'm not going to because he is actually completely innocent here. He has no idea what's going on. And there's no really reason why he should uh Slater is deliberately really nice to Rodney because he knows so he he plays Rodney really well which again shows the kind of the cleverness of of Slater and of of the acting of of Jim Broadbent but yeah Rodney just hasn't got a clue that he's being done up here and before you know it he's you know inviting Slater the copper back to the flat well I tell you what why don't you come back to the flat and have a beer could I Oh, that would be smashing. Yeah, yeah. Which is just... What a disaster. So we fade into the flat. Um, the Dylan Grandad exchange here is just perfect. Grandad is crouched over at what seemingly looks like a telly, twiddling the knobs while Dell's going off on one about stuff last night. I mean, I don't ask much of you, do I? But even when I ask you to do the simplest things, you let me down. Oh, shut up. <laughs> she won't want to know me now, will she? Not after last night. I ain't bothered. Invited her all the way over from Canning Town for a nice, quiet, intimate, candlelit dinner. And all I asked you to do was to put the box of wine in the fridge and me tub of Neapolitan ice cream in the freezer. But no, you get that arse about face, don't you? <laughs> so come nine o'clock, all I could offer her was a bowl of guns and a Beaujolais ice lolly. <laughs> and then finally, we are joined by... Rodney and Slater, they wander in, and yeah, the reaction from Dell is just everything you'd expect. Just full face, body. It's like he's seen a ghost, or maybe worse. It yeah, it's fantastic. He drops the drops the cutlery and just has a face of pure horror. Yeah, it's kind of very. David Jason, I think for the the some of the stuff that he does, he does the physical comedy is like uh, it's like he's doing stuff without knowing that he's doing it. Like the way that he drops the tray or falls over at the bar, it's like he's completely out of control of his body. But he's very he obviously has to as an actor make do it on purpose, but very good mm. at making these things that like it's very natural. Yeah, it doesn't look practiced, even though it must be. It looks very good. We get a, a really nice little scene here. Also, uh, after the shock, Dell drags Rodney into the kitchen, and it's great because Dell gives us, you know, some exposition. He kind of explains what's going on, brings everyone up to speed, and explains who Slater is. You know, what a nasty piece of work he is, and just how much 
shtuk they're now in for him being in the flat and really just kind of ranks up that that danger and that fear level. He's not an old mate, he's an old bill. When I say an old bill, I mean an old bill. That geezer out there would nick you for anything that you did. In fact, he'd nick you for anything you didn't do and he wouldn't let a silly thing like innocence get in the way. And so now, yeah, Rodney and, and all of us are up to speed of just how much trouble they're in. Yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult place to be in. You kind of, you, you do feel for Rodney in this part because he's, you know, he's put them in proper lumber um, through no fault of his own, really. And yeah, the, the stakes are pretty high here. You're looking at proper lawsuit stuff going on. And Ed, of course, we, we know that Slater has already mentioned in the pub that he was investigating something to do with the microwave. And this is also, we know that's the microwave that, that Den and Grandad were, were faffing around with earlier. So we, we know that the exact reason he's in town is for that, which is right there. This has all been explained to us as we come there. And then <laughs> we wander out of the kitchen and horror of horrors, Grandad has got Slater the other end to manning the microwave oven out of the bedrooms and back into the living room. It's so ridiculous. And um, I can't remember exactly what the line is, but he says something about not being used or whatever, and he says that it still feels hot. Yeah, that's really good. Granddad's been messing around with the knobs. <laughs> I think it's good because you, you think for a second after they explain everything in the kitchen and they walk out, you're like, right, everything has got to go perfect here for them to not be completely buggered. And then literally as they're walking out, it's like, okay, good, no, it's gone. <laughs> We're already screwed. <laughs> like, so much for that. We thought we had a chance, but it's gone already. And uh, after the, the clear anger and frustration of uh, Dell's face, he uh, offers Roy a beer and asks him how the uh, police force is treating him. And now now Grandad's finally brought up to speed. <laughs> How's the police force treating you? Police? And Grandad's clearly pretty mortified himself that they've invited a copper into the house. I mean, throughout some of the previous series and episodes, we've learnt that Grandad is pretty anti uh, the police force. He hasn't had a lot of good to say about them in general. And, you know, he looks genuinely quite concerned when he learns that there's a policeman in the house. So you get a bit more chat in between uh, Del Boy and Slater. And then you just try to find out what a bastard he is. Uh, Del points out that he once nicked his own father, to which Grandad's in horror. And so Roy tells the story of how that unfortunate circumstance occurred. The old man's still not talking to me. No, well, he's probably still got the needle over that time you nicked him. <laughs> he nicked his own father. I had no choice. If there'd been a way of avoiding it, I would have. But his rear light was defective. <laughs> and the way he delivers that line is just absolutely spot on. You, you don't see it coming. Like With that introduction, you're like, oh, I'm, you know... He, he probably caught him nicking loads of money or doing something really terrible. But no, it's just nothing. But even though that realistically, I, I'm not sure there's anyone in the world that would literally do that. It's it's such a shitty thing to do. But again, Jabra Bent delivers it in a way where you actually believe that character is capable of doing that. Yeah, for sure. That, he, that, 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 that guy sat there, Roy Slater could actually nick his father for a dodgy light. Indeed. But uh, we then have a bit of an emotional moment from Slater, which is funny because I, I definitely remember this in the future episodes with him as well. He often has this moment of 
kind of feigning weakness and vulnerability. And that's what he does here. He tries to explain that, you know, he used to be young and ambitious and he made mistakes and he regrets them. And this is something that he says, as I say, says in other episodes as well. And you do believe it for a second. You're thinking, yeah, that's that's believable. You know, young copper could be ambitious and a bit of a dick, especially if they've got a chip on their shoulder. But maybe, maybe he's different now. It's hard to not want to just keep praising Jim Broadbent so much. But, I mean, the last thing that I said is we've completely believed that he is such an evil person that he nicked his own father. And in pretty much the next piece of dialogue... We we actually are believing that that was what he was like, and we start to believe that oh shit maybe actually this guy has changed. Mm. Even though he was slimy earlier, we think maybe there's a different story here. Again, I mean it's, it, it's incredible how you can be that polar opposite and so much contrast there within seconds of each other and still be convincing. Yeah, I mean he, he can do everything. Of of course he can. You just don't. You just need to watch any of his films to see that. But eventually the scene does come to an end where he's leaving on a fairly kind of melancholic note after his little emotional moment. And then just casually says to everyone, Oh, by the way, you're all under arrest. Because <laughs> if you are the best, but you don't ask questions, then brother, I'm your man. Um, so in the next scene, we open up in what is quite clearly a police station and Roy is kissing so much ass. Well, I'll get back to you, sir, as soon as I've got some information. OK, sir. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> Thank you once again, sir. <laughs> OK, sir. Bye for now, sir. Bye. Like, just proper licky-licky brown-nosing. I, I think it's the chief superintendent or something, something like, like that. that. And it it goes on for ages, to be fair. So much <laughs> it's like longer f- than you think, isn't it? It's just a full minute of... of just an entirely different git side of Roy. But it is brilliant because uh, Grandad does give him a little tuck up after it. You want to be a bit more careful about your elf, son. In the last half hour, you've done so much bootlicking, you could be going down with cherry blossom poisoning. <laughs> I think one of my first thoughts here was does this all seem a bit, it all seems a bit much for just a microwave? Like, a microwave got nicked off the back of the lorry. Like, yeah, it isn't a lot. I don't know. It's it's still stolen goods and at a reasonably... I mean, microwaves would be expensive back then. Mm. They'd literally only just come out, I believe, from what from what's said earlier in the episode. Uh, you know, theft is still... It's pretty. It's a pretty serious crime, I think. I guess it depends on the circumstance of what it's been stolen from. If it's from a a big warehouse or store, and he's stolen it quite literally off the back of a lorry or whatever, it's, yeah, it's fairly serious crime. I mean, he does say, but of course, uh, they they actually mention this. I've just remembered at the end of this at the end of the episode that Granddad says to Rodney that he would have thought Dell would have just gotten a fifty pound fifty pound fine and kind of sent on his way because I think that probably would have been the standard for receiving which is kind of all he can really get him on but of course Roy is a nasty piece of work is going to try and get him on a lot more than that well that's the whole thing isn't it he's not trying to get just Dell on it he is trying to go for the the kingpin of it all Mm. essentially isn't he like he's brought Dell in because he can play the puppet master with Dell completely screw him over and make threats and then get the next lead in the case so 
it's not so much trying to tuck up Dell as you know put one in his uh, in his trophy cabinet. It's funny Dell here when he tries to bribe him at first seems incredibly stupid, but then instantly you discover that oh actually no that was something that worked in the past because that's something else that Dell hints at. So it's it's really funny the constant back and forth. I mean he is such a complex uh, character as Slater. The the two exchanges here, which we'll play them back to back, just because it makes sense with the um, inspector, uh, the other guy. I assume you probably have the actor's name and details as the extra. Uh, no, I actually didn't, to be honest. Really, he's actually quite a famous, um, quite a famous English actor as well. I, I'd seen he was in a few bits and pieces, but nothing that interested me enough to make lots of notes on him. He, um, I'm sure he was in like Funny Enough the Bill or something. He was quite a lead role in in lead role in something. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, we haven't made a note on it, so I won't go bother looking into it. But the two exchanges between them is brilliant and kind of like the perfect low level corruption. Yeah. <clears throat> I give you fifty quid and you let us go. <laughs> I didn't hear that, Dell. I said I give you fifty quid. <laughs> Did you hear that, Hoskins? Oh, yes, sir. Loud and clear. You are now down for receiving stolen goods and attempting to bribe a police officer. You never complained about it before. Did you hear that, Hoskins? Uh, sorry, sir. Miles away. <laughs> and, and actually, as, a, as an extra, I think this guy is a pretty good character. Sorry, he doesn't have a lot to do, but it's, it's delivered all pretty well and he's, he's quite funny and he actually is, we find out later... He knows that anyway because Dell sorted him out with some stuff. And mm. Yeah, he does, he does a pretty good role. That guy. Yeah, he does as well. I thought that was he was another very good uh, sort of yeah, slightly above extra character. So we eventually find out that the, the story that Dell and the family are going with is they found the microwave after it was dropped by someone in the market. Uh, it's a slight long shot, but okay, they give it a try, and then we get this fun little montagey like thing where they take um statements from all three of them on the bloke that dropped the uh the microwave in the market and it, and it's very fun the way they cut in between them and they get the three descriptions of completely different people like obviously Del boys doing the sensible thing of being like yeah average height just a kid like maybe the things you'd expect where granddad and rodney have gone to opposite extremes it's uh Maybe something they should have had thought about before. Like, you would have thought maybe that's something that the family should know. If ever we need an alibi to describe someone, should we get this all nailed down one day? I mean, how has Rodney decided that they've gone into three different rooms to try and come up with the same character? And he's he's thought, do you know what everyone else is probably going to say? Oh, he was little more than a dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a long shot, wasn't it? (laughs) I, my the, my favourite moment has to be when uh, Slater asks for his ethnic group. Well, when he says, uh, when he says to Grandad, uh, was he Caucasian? And he says, no, he's a white fella. <laughs> no, when uh, when Del, when he says to Delboy, what was his ethnic group? And Delboy says, no, I didn't notice anyone with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, even before that uh, bit, though, one of the great exchanges between uh, Roy and Del when they're talking about their their childhood is when they were playing uh, pirates and Dell was trying to make the case that he you know was 
not as bad as some of the other kids to Roy and tried to help them out. But essentially, Roy was bullied and is clearly a, a product of that sort of thing that goes mm-hmm. on. You know, it's um, it's an unfortunate story that isn't uncommon that someone who is mistreated young grows up to be an asshole <laughs> and take it take it out on other people. Well, I mean, this this is kind of the question for me because this I feel like the the episode asks this question and doesn't necessarily answer it, although maybe makes a suggestion, which is. Is Dell and everyone else a bully, or was Slater just such a just an unhelp? He didn't help himself and was just a an ass. Because Dell said his his line is, you know, I I tried to be friendly, but you were such a schneid. There was no help in you. And there are some people that are like that, where like you want you you maybe see them having a rough time and you try to help them out. But some people don't help themselves if they haven't got the social skills and if they're like. Yeah, maybe always telling on you to a teacher or, you know, not being very nice. They kind of don't exactly help themselves either. And you and you kind of want that to be the case here, that maybe Slater was always just a, yeah, schneid, a busybody and, you know, obviously didn't deserve it. No one deserves the bullying, but... He kind of brought it on himself. Either. Yeah, he brought doesn't it... doesn't deserve it necessarily, but... Yeah, brought it on he himself. helped himself. Yeah, was a damaged person who, who then became worse because of it, rather than he would have been completely fine, he was nice, they happened to bully him, and then he became a complete bastard. Mm. Who knows? I have got a random uh, shit bit of trivia on the uh, the, the pirate discussion. They said, uh, cool. like, Trigger was Long John Silver, and uh, Dell was... Dan Tempest? Do you have any idea who Dan Tempest was? It rung a bell at the time as some pirate, no? No, I, I, I had absolutely no idea. It just sounded like a normal name. And I was like, that's not a very piratey name. And so I googled it. And yeah, so there was a, a show in the 50s called Buccaneers, I think it said it was called. And yeah, the, the captain there was called Dan Tempest. So he was a captain of this uh, like pirate show for kids in the 50s. So it would have been, this is in the 80s and the 30s. Yeah, it would have been when they were kids. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I recognised the name, but maybe I just recognised it from this episode. Yeah, I've said, I don't I don't know of any other reference to it, but uh, yeah. That that happens quite a lot, actually, where I hear something. It's like, I heard that before. I, I mean, on Only Fools and Horses specifically, mm. and like, no, I've definitely heard that before. And it's because I've watched the episode 20 times before and never heard it anywhere else. <laughs> Slater was uh, never anyone cool, like Long John Silver or, or Dan Tempest, or even the Bluebeard he always wished to be, and he was always... The bloke what walk the plank. <laughs> so so we come back and then we get the kind of the second bit of work done by the Hoskins character, which is a fun little exchange between him and Dell, where once again we get a bit more exposi- exposition about Roy and his motivations, which is he's trying to get rid of all these old case files and he's just looking to shove them on somebody. And they're saying, you know, he is a nasty bit of work he'll do anything the coppers don't even like him so we're we're kind of raising the stakes even more now this isn't just Dell going down for for theft or whatever like that this is this is Roy trying to look for someone to pin everything on and he's so bent that even the coppers don't like him and uh yeah you really see that they're uh they're in Stuck here yeah Roy's going for some sort of promotion or something basically to be the the new chief and is looking to you know just wow everyone by you know all sorts of 
stuff and it, and it gets it gets crazier like even after that Roy um is starting to say that he is quite literally going to plant drugs yeah. on Rodney gets personal I mean, in it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <clears throat> i'm sure to a certain extent this sort of stuff probably did exist in some way definitely in some places i mean yeah definitely in some places in the world in london at that time i don't think it was quite that crazy but they didn't it definitely didn't not exist there were <laughs> there are there are cases where surely that where that level of corruption would have existed just probably not so prevalently no exactly yeah i think it's uh it, he is like the worst incarnation of, of the kind of the rumours and the stories you can hear about a, a you know an eighties corrupt police force. After the family have all gone into their interrogation rooms and come out, we get a bit of a sum up from Roy about the suspect they're looking for. Oh, it's good, Dale. It's good. According to you and your family, we are looking for a six foot seven inch dwarf. <laughs> Aged between 15 and 50. A white male with oriental features. Who's as black as Newgate's knocker. Oh, yeah, he wears a deaf aid. Not a lot to go on, Inspector. And then, you know, Dell has an, a nice little monologue here about his opinions on the police, which I've always thought was was very nice and very well rounded off how I know a lot of people like Dell view the police. I do hope Grandad doesn't fall victim to the mindless filth that walks our streets. I thought you drove everywhere nowadays. <laughs> Listen to me, Slater. I know a lot of coppers and they're all good blokes. I mean, I don't like them, but they play a fair game. And then there's you. You dirty, stinking sister. Daddy Dell. So Slater says to Dell here that he's looking at at least a year. And, uh, you know, that's that's a big deal. And then he goes even more, you know, he's already threatened to plant on Rodney. Now he's talking about the, uh, the position granddad would be in if he was on his loan on his own, if Rodney and Del boy were banged up. So it's big stakes. He's not even talking about the position that granddad in. He's essentially insinuating that he is going to get a gang to rough him up. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, 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 for sure. I wasn't sure. He was saying, like, you know, the streets are a bad place and there's bad people around and, you know, they would love to take advantage, stuff like that. He, I feel like he's going as far as fully saying, I'm going to make sure he has troubles. Yeah, I, I feel like you could definitely take that, but I wasn't quite sure if I thought it went quite that far, but it is entirely possible. I don't think it's foregone conclusion, but I was pretty sure that, that was basically was the insinuation there yeah, um, and all that planting stuff on Rodney and insinuating to essentially duff up granddad is <laughs> just cementing him as one of the worst people that we've ever we, we will ever see on yeah uh, on only fools and horses yeah he's, he's definitely the Moriarty isn't he he is the arch villain the arch nemesis and he's just so fantastically done like that but uh you know, Dell does eventually. He makes makes the deal, or he makes a deal. Um, he knows the lingo. He knows how to how to get these deals done. He is a man of the world, if not the uh, you know the brightest man in the world. He is. He he knows what he's doing, and he says he wants immunity from prosecution. He knows the phrasing, but if he gets that, he will. Uh, 
give up the name and become one of uh, Roy's grasses, which is yeah music to his ears. I always think the uh, that's quite cool. Hey? I know a few people who are really well read in the law and really know their rights very very well and uh there's a lot of time where the the smaller man or the the average man does get exploited by the law quite unfairly and knowing your rights and you know what you are entitled to i think is a really powerful thing that more people should be aware of i mean it's hard when there's so many different laws it's kind of impossible to know them all but um but if you're in that game that Dell's in, it makes sense to yeah know what you can get away with and where the the fringes and the edges of of that all is going to be. Yeah, like you say, when when you're there and there's, if you're in his line of work, the chances of you ending up in an office like this, having a chat like this, is fairly high. So you need to make sure that, like, first of all, Roy offers word that they won't press any charges, and he knows that doesn't mean shit. So he's like, no, no, I need the papers signed. I want it all done above board. And yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. So we head into what is um, the last kind of extended scene. And we've got Grandad and Rodders just having a bit of a, a chow, chat outside. It's like the, uh, the the are we there yet kind of like uh, older generation version of when are we going to get out of here? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's being a bit doddery and a bit impatient and not really up for it. But Rodney doesn't really have any idea of what's going to happen and is very quickly realising what Slater's capable of so they're not really sure what's going to happen but Q Hoskins um, who says that it's all coming to an end and, and Dell's about to spill the beans um, and goes on further to basically invite them in to, to watch it all unfold Do you think at this point Grandad and Rodney know what Dell's going to do? Yeah, or or you know who nicked it. I, I'm not sure uh, if I'm not sure if they know that Dell nicked it or not. I think they probably do. I'm not sure if they kind of like smile at the end with him, but for sure they don't know what Dell's going to do. They're not expecting that Dell's about to somehow win them over. I think they're genuinely quite scared and worried and going in there like holy holy hell. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, they're definitely concerned, and I think there, I think there's an element of disappointment and stuff, and that that's what's really clever about the scene is you know Slater knows that he brings them in to kind of have them witness this moment of of Dell falling off the pedestal, um, which is a very clever and kind of demeaning idea, and they do seem genuinely worried both for, you know, what's going to happen, but also. They are like disappoint, or do kind of seem disappointed, and thinking about you know, I never would have thought Dale would have done this type thing. Yeah, it's a really kind of good moment as far as the episode is concerned in in how it makes the audience feel. Slater is completely chuffed with himself. He's walking around <laughs> yeah. with a big old smile on his face. Might as well be wearing a party hat. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait to nail him. You know, Dale looks around and surprised to see the other two there, and and just explains that. You know what Slate was going to do. He says that he was going to plant stuff on him, and that he was going to, you know, make stuff hard for Granddad, and and basically he was without a choice. And at, at this point, I was thinking, like, as always with these episodes, we know the outcomes of them. But if we're watching this for the first time, 
and I, I keep sort of making this analogy, I think, in the recent episodes of when they're first aired and the public is watching them for the first time, how very different it is. Even mm. though we, we still get that suspense knowing the end, the idea of watching this for the first time at this particular moment, um, our hearts are really kind of aching. We really feel like Dell is going to lose out to Slater and Slater is going to win here. And, you know, we watching it, you know we're in the last five minutes of the episode and you can almost see no way out of it. You're just like, holy shit, this is the end for, for Dell almost. Like, he's going to go down. Yeah, definitely. It's like the most serious moment we've had in many ways. And and Dell looks genuinely defeated. Like, David Jason, I think, plays it beautifully. He looks really beaten down and tired and like he's just given up and he's just accepted defeat. And yeah, no no one knows that up his sleeve, as is so often the case, he has a trick. Okay, give me his name. You've got nothing on me either. No, you've got an immunity from prosecution. You've got less chance of a pool than the Queen. As long as I know. Right. For the third and last time of asking, who nicked the microwave off the back of the lorry? I did. <laughs> And Roy's face, obviously, in that moment is just outstanding. You you actually don't see any of the others. It's just Dell's face and then Slater's face. And Jim Broadbent is, just doesn't know where to look. He doesn't... You can see, like, every emotion on his face at once. He genuinely doesn't understand what's happening, but he knows he's f***ed. It's, uh, it's just happy and also completely and utterly destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like a yin and yang sort of face. It doesn't even. Oh, it's just brilliant. Just perfect. And Dale's just got a full-on beaming smile as he's pointing at the uh, immunity paper. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's the that's the cut to credit moment there. Perfect. So it feels a bit like a shorter uh, podcast episode for what was probably one of the best episodes so far. Um, it kind of seems seems a shame, but I probably struggled to write notes on this episode more than any other, purely for the fact that I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, you know what? There was something about this episode that straight away it was just funny with with Rodney and Trigger and the dynamics between everything going on. Obviously, I I don't remember this episode verbatim, but there was intensity always there. There was fun stuff always there. The stakes are so high so quickly and you've got no idea where it's kind of going and our, our heroes are in question. And I was like really invested in the episode and I kind of struggled to sit and stop and watch a note and, and look at all the the nuanced stuff that we kind of find, you know, in the flat and the different stuff. It was just such a core, great episode with pretty much just our main characters going on, not too much else going on. Um, just done brilliantly. It was solid. One of the best so far. Yeah, it was just really enjoyable. It was a very, uh, you know, just sit back and watch the masterclass. I think, uh, 
I think Jim Broadbent, as we said, is just exceptional. I think he helps bring out the uh, the best parts of, of David Jason as well. I think they bounce off each other brilliantly. I think uh, David Jason is often at his best when he's working alongside others. He he all he all often takes over scenes and looks great, kind of, and takes over in spite of everyone else. But then in this one, it's a great like tennis match between them. And yeah, it's it's just fantastic. This rivalry is born, and uh, yeah, you, you just kind of just wish there was more of it because it is just so fantastic. And Roy is just such a fantastic character. And I think in some of the things I enjoy most in any TV show, whether it's a comedy or a drama or sci-fi, or whatever, is the good returning characters. Those kind of once a series once every couple of series characters, the ones you can't wait, and when they come back, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy, this is great. And, uh, yeah, this has definitely gotten me looking forward to the next the next appearance. I really can't wait. Yeah, like, we, we've had quite a few villains, essentially. Like, you know, we've had the, the murderer and a couple of the women who were not obviously horrible people, but were the villain, uh, playing the villain part, as it were. Um and we kind of love to hate them in regards to being mm. just unpleasant, horrible people. But Slater is so bad that you kind of love him. Yeah. There's something about it, like, it gets under your skin, really. Like, you, you properly love to hate him. He's very, very entertaining and interesting and nuanced. And, yeah, really enjoyable. And, and yeah, how you can have a character that's so clearly hateable that unlike those other hateable characters we don't like you know we've we've said before about uh pauline and uh and some other characters you just, i just can't wait for him to get off my telly but with <laughs> with slater i just it was a pleasure i enjoyed every minute of it it's funny we, we we haven't really talked too much about the progression and evolution of the episodes which uh, is still a little way off but in a couple of series time we do get longer episodes you're saying about wanting to see more of Slater or you know you wanted the episode to last longer a hundred percent for sure that you know there is so much potential for longer episodes here and uh last week I was flicking through the episodes to see when it transferred into longer which I think is actually much later than I thought it's like series six oh is it that late yeah yeah it's quite a lot quite a lot later but um, what we also get is then a, a shed load of specials. We've got a couple of episodes that are like sixty minutes, eighty-eight minutes. Mm. You know, dates is dates is like eighty-eight minutes long. That's an Basically hour and a, a half. Film, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, really looking forward to what that is going to bring in regards to the complexity of the stories and just being able to enjoy a much bigger. Um, world and and uh, and story within the episodes we're going to stay quite short for now but um looking forward to the, the specials and when we you know we get an opportunity to really soak up those really good characters in the longer episodes yeah i think that's definitely an interesting debate which is probably for another time when we get closer to that transition um because there is something to be said for the shorter episodes in just how snappy and leaving you wanting more there there is um of course the later ones are much more denser with story and they're a bit they have a bit more drama in there and these are these are so sharp so fantastically written 
cut and edited perfectly. There's just enough in there of everything. No scene feels like it drags. Even, and the one, some of them are meant to feel slower, like when uh, Dell's been interrogated. The, the pace does slow down, and you do get that moment to kind of live in it for a second, but then you quickly move on again. And I think, think they're put together brilliantly, just from the writing to the the cutting and directing of them i think it's uh, i think it's an absolutely fantastic episode and yeah really loved it it is one hell of an accomplishment to fit in all of the the stuff that they do we do go in an emotional roller coaster through a lot of these early episodes and to be able to accomplish a storyline you know a properly beginning middle and end um bringing in the crisis and the stakes and have it all pay off and chucking in comedy there constantly every minute, you know, that's one hell of a feat to be able to do that. Mm. When we get onto the 50 minute episodes, um, and later you, you're almost giving yourself more opportunity for scrutiny because it's not so condensed. You've, you've, you've got those longer heartfelt scenes. It does become a bit more soap opera. Yeah, definitely. Drama, drama, you know, in regards to that but that that has some really cool dynamics and opens up a whole different world of comedy for it but um right now these concise and condensed episodes are doing everything they need to do loving it absolutely right well i both think we better call that the episode here as well as we have not been very snappy <laughs> and uh did you have a moment to check out what the next episode was um, I actually didn't. I haven't looked. What is the next episode? It is Wanted. Oh, I tell a lie. I did know it was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, another different, unique, interesting episode, this one, with some darker themes as well. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't. I remember like two or three of the properly core concepts and characters, but not really a lot of the dialogue and exchange going on. So Yeah, I think the same. So I'm really looking forward to uh, re-educating myself on some of that. Definitely. One to look forward to, for sure. Well, you are two for two for the music. Are you going to get number three? It I, it might be too obvious, but obvious sometimes works. Is it the Star Wars theme tune? Da, 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 da. I can't even <laughs> sing it. <laughs> it seems silly. I mean, what else could you possibly do that, that is going to work when the, the episode is bloody killed, may the force be with you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's done it for you, isn't it? Yeah, um, so three for three uh, for you. We'll see if you manage to do the same for next week. Uh, thanks for joining us for one of the best early episodes. Hope you enjoyed our pod as much as we enjoyed the episode. And we will catch up with you next week for Wanted. Thanks as always, Bob. Cheers, Jay. Thanks. See you later, everyone. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook forward slash Only Fools Brothers. Or on Twitter, we're at OnlyFoolsBros. Or if you want to send us a longer message, you can email us at OnlyFoolsBrothers at gmail.com. Also, really appreciate it if you could give us some sort of rating or review on your podcast app of choice. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.